We're in Romans chapter 10, verse 16. However, they did not all heed the good news that was, was preached, Isaiah was saying. For he says, Lord, who has believed our report? So he's, Isaiah, it's the prophecy too of the gospel, but it's still applied to the Jewish people. People forget that the good news in the gospel wasn't something new. It was further revealed and completed. But God was gracious and had plans on every covenant he dealt with. Remember Hebrews and even Romans says the Jews had the gospel. They did not mix it with faith. The Jewish law and prophets was pointing to the gospel, and they had to have faith in what was going to happen like Abraham did. He believed it. He saw the Lord's day. He believed what was going to come. When we look back to what Jesus had done, if they had been clear in their understanding, they would have had faith, as some did, in the Messiah that would deliver them and save them. And so he's had the gospel moving through every generation. But the full gospel and the full plan of God came into effect when Christ was crucified when he rose again from the dead. Now, remember the Jews, in their culture and belief, they always assumed that God, whatever he proposed to do and accomplish, would prosper. And you hear a lot of that. He does what he wants. He's control everything. It's not true. He controls things as he sees fit, but we'll find much of his will is not done. And that's why people are going to be judged because his will is not done. They can alter and fight him, and he allows this. He raises up people in certain countries, and he raises wicked people up to punish the people. So just because you pray for a good leader don't mean you're going to get one. God will look at the nation as a whole and decide what they deserve, and that's what he'll give them. But his perfect will is he would wish they would obey him and do righteousness but his perfect will is not done now. So we'll see it's not so. All did not heed the gospel. Most did not. They will not obey God or the gospel. Many people say, just believe, just believe. If you read Hebrews and you read Romans and stuff, the word there is in a revelation. It, it doesn't always say believe the gospel. It says obey the gospel. Obeying is not just believing. See, they want you to believe all you have to do is mental assent. No, to obey the gospel means you receive it and you fall in line with it and you do what it requires. And see, they don't preach that, but Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation, all the Gentiles. He says, teaching them to observe everything I told you. The gospel is not five scriptures. The gospel is not salvation. All of the gospels and the epistles, that is the gospel. The salvation message is just the beginning. But Paul talks about running the race. And if you don't finish and continue, what's going to happen to you? So, so much of the gospel is a lying gospel. It's a one-sided, just believe. But you hear these great evangelists that people think were so wonderful and yet when you listen to them, they talk about believing, but they never say continue in the faith. They never say you'll go to hell if you backslide. They never tell you these things because they're not preaching the right gospel. They're preaching a false gospel. And when Paul preached, he preached that they could continue in the faith. He said through much tribulation, we enter the kingdom. 
He talked about the race and not being turned aside. You don't hear that. See, because it's a false gospel, easy believism. People just believe mentally, but they live like they want to. And those are the ones, the multitudes that claim to be Christians, that Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. They thought he was their Lord. And he said they were never his because they preached and believed a false gospel. Okay. So what we see then, God's will under the Old and New Testaments is and was that none should perish. Okay. In the Old Testament, he says, it is not my will, I find no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that they repent or turn. Yet as a whole, that was not done. So God's will is not done in many things. He can override the nations. He can do as he pleases, sets up certain nations, punishes certain nations. He can regulate, and the devil's under his control. But he lets man and devil do certain things within their fishbowl. He allows their will, allows them to do wickedness. He doesn't prevent a lot of it. He'll judge it one day. But that's why we had such great horrible leaders in the past that caused wars. And sometimes it was God's will to punish the people. So he let them rise up. But that was not his perfect will. Okay, It's not his will to send strong delusions to people who don't want to believe the truth, but he does it. If they reject the spirit of truth, he'll allow them and he'll send a spirit of delusion. He does it himself. And people forget this. That's his will, but it's not his perfect will. Okay? So his will is not done in many things. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's what we're hoping. And when he returns, it's going to be done for a while during the millennium. But even toward the end, it's not going to be done. And he's going to judge again, and he's going to ultimately have his will with how people responded to him. He made hell, we'll see, for the devil. But wicked man is going to be accommodated, and he's going to have a room there too if he doesn't follow the Lord. But that's not God's perfect will. That's what he didn't plan. Even when the people at Noah's time, when God got ready to drown the whole world, He used human terms. He said, I did not expect them to be so wicked. Expressing to us how a human would say, he said, I repents me that I made man. Well, it didn't really uh, repent him that all of man, but he was speaking on human levels that people were so wicked. And that's why he destroyed them at that time. And that's why he's going to destroy them at the end. He finally has enough of certain things. So Mark 16 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The word creature is basically Gentile. You don't preach a gospel to horses and dogs and pigs. You preach it to people. And so they had been to the Jews for so many centuries, but Jesus wanted them to go into all the world. Every person is what this means here. And Revelation, so many people get off into false foolish predestination, election, and carry it too far, God made it plain. It's not my will that any perish. So he's not predestined anybody to heaven or hell. It don't matter what God foresees. That's within his nature, and it's none of our business. But if he tells you, and he says, whosoever should come, and we're going to read that, he means it, or he's a liar. So which one is he? Is he fooling with people? 
So when he says it's not my will that any perish, that any means everybody, okay? So that's how it starts off. Now, if they harden themselves, that's different. Like I say, but initially, God wants people to come to him, and ultimately, some that blaspheme his spirit and harden themselves, then it's not his will anymore. He shuts the door on them like he did in the flood. When they got in the ark, he shut the door. Noah didn't shut the door. God closed the door of faith and grace, and they all drowned. And it didn't matter what they believed when that door was shut. So that's the end of people fooling with God, and he'll finally deal in certain areas. Okay, and we see in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts come. And whosoever desires, let him take the water of life ready. What is that word, whosoever? It means everybody. It doesn't say the elect, the predestined, the chosen. So initially, the gospel's for everybody. In every covenant, it was not God's will. If they conformed to his laws and rules and what he said, then they were saved under their covenant. And if they did not, then they weren't. The choice was with them. So God was gracious under every covenant. When he revealed himself to Moses in the fire on the hill, on the mountain, he said, I am loving kindness and merciful and just and true. That's what he said about hell. And he said, but by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the sins on them. Justice has to come to play. So he's telling, I was gracious. So he's telling Moses that on the establishment of the law. He has not changed in those attributes. As Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, because he is in the Godhead. He's restored. He's one with Jehovah. And Jehovah said, I am the Lord. It changes not. So there's no shadow of turning. There's no moods with God. He has principles that he works by, and he does not go against himself. Okay? Yet most of mankind, adult mankind, will perish and go to the lake of fire. But that is not God's will initially. He'd rather for them to be saved. To the old prophets, the Lord himself said he loves mercy rather than judgment. And sometimes he says mercy and judgment have kissed. See, God doesn't alter justice by showing mercy. He has the right he satisfies justice eventually, and he handles everything. So mercy does not cancel out full justice. It works with it. So he said they've kissed. So God has to judge the evil and the wicked if they don't repent. It's his nature and his holiness. But he'd rather show mercy and rather have them turn and repent. So his will, his perfect will is not done, okay? So people need to... Every time something happens, well, God's in control. That's just a foolish, flippant answer. Of course, he's in control. But that doesn't mean that you won't be persecuted and put to death. That doesn't mean that tragedy won't come to the nations. God permits these things to happen. And the Christian must stay with God regardless of what happens in the world. Okay? So God is a all-consuming fire. That's the wrath of God in hell or the lake of fire. He warns people. 
in the old and new. He said he's a consuming fire, and he meant against idolatrous and wicked people. So even in hell, they're in outer darkness. It means they're as far away from the truth and light as they can be. But still, God has to be there to some degree. He's everywhere. There's not a place he is not. And evidently, it's the consuming fire, his wrath and indignation against the wicked angels and wicked people. Okay, And that's because of holiness and justice. He would rather that it not be that way. So he planned that all of the angels, they were tested. That's his right to do it. And he wished that it all remained faithful. But one third of them did not. They did not pass the test. They did not. And like we say, in every being, God gives allowance and grace. And he bore with them. And then there was a time, he said, that's it. And one third of them was found lacking. Okay. And most of mankind that even hears the gospel will reject the gospel. Uh And that's their right to do that. Okay. So hell and the lake of fire was originally for the fallen angels, yet man became wicked also, refusing God's offers of grace and mercy. And so God had a place for them too. One scripture implies he enlarged hell for the wicked. Okay, Look at John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 19 to 21. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, the truth. And men love darkness rather than light. They like evil. They don't want the truth because it makes them uncomfortable. And they can't live their own wicked lives. And they fear judgment. So they don't like it. And they will not come to the truth lest their deeds be exposed. The truth's going to tell you. God gave man the inner conscience. The inner law before even the law and the gospel. And they knew right from wrong. They knew certain things. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they knew immediately to fear God and hide from him. And they tried to cover themselves. And God told them, where are you? And they said, well, where are you there? Why are you there? Because we were afraid. We were fearful. And God said, who told you to be naked and fearful? Well, their conscience told them. See, God had put it in them. And once they marred the conscience, it began to tell them, you're corrupt, you've done something wrong. So it was his inner law that was dealing with them. And he's always done that with people until they sear their conscience, okay? So for everyone practicing evil, now notice the word there, they're doing this as a regular thing, practicing. They hate the truth. And they will not come to the truth, lest their deeds be exposed. But he who does the truth. So Jesus is saying in every culture, Old Testament, people can do the truth. He didn't say they could be perfect. He didn't expect perfection. It was impossible with their marred nature they were born with. But he, he told Cain, you can live righteously. You don't have to do anything wrong. But the sin is like an animal waiting to jump you. And he said, resist it. Well, Cain didn't resist it. And so he yielded to Satan, and he was the first human murderer and murdered his brother. But God told him he could resist it. So these people try to tell people, and again, they're false gospels, and I know where those kind of people are going. Oh, we're totally depraved. No, we're not. 
Demons are totally depraved. Every part of goodness and holiness was removed from them. They cannot repent. They don't have no desire to repent, and they're fixed in their evil. People were not. They can have both sides. They can desire to do good. Paul talks about that before a person saved. How if the warring within his own nature to do good and how evil is present with you at the same time. So man is not totally depraved. He's capable of doing good and certain rules. And under the law, he expected them. And he made these rules and commands. And if they abided by him, they did well. And if they didn't, for some of them, they were put to death and there was no mercy. Murderers and idolaters, they were stoned to death. And God had no forgiveness for them. And he told the people, and they knew what to expect. So he said, you don't do this, you do this. It meant he knew they were capable. So if God said, you don't lie, he expected people not to be liars. That that should be their lifestyle. They should not be given over to it. And if they sinned and failed, they were to make sacrifice. And they would confess their sin. So God made provision for man in his marred condition. And the final provision he made was in Christ, because nobody was sinless. But God did make a point. A lot of these evangelists, well, murdering's the same as telling no, no, it's not. Murder can send you to hell and have you cut off by God. So there are degrees of sin and depths of sin. And when people get to certain places, God acts on them. He don't put up with it. So Paul names 20-some sins and says, if you practice these things, if that's your habit, he said, you will not enter the kingdom of God. He didn't talk about whether you were born again or not. He didn't talk about how many times you saw Jesus. He said, if that's your lifestyle. So he was either saying you don't have it or you lost what you had. Because if you live this way, you won't make it to heaven. And that's where the multitude of Christians are going to say, didn't we do all these good things? But he's going to say, you were lawless. You were wicked. See, you lived your own way. You thought you would accommodate me and do some good and that would please me. But you weren't mine. You weren't redeemed. You weren't led of the Spirit. So you're cursed of my Father. That's what he said. So who does the truth? A person that wants the truth and live right, like Paul did, even when his nature was frightening him, he'll come to the truth, the light. And his deeds and works will be clearly seen what has been done in God. So see, his conscience will tell him, you're doing good. He's not saying you're perfect and sinless. That ain't what he's expressing. But people who pervert the gospel, they try to do that to excuse their sins. And that's disobedient. So they want grace and faith, but they want to live their own wicked lives. And that's what they believe. And that's why there's so much false gospel and Christianity out there. So we say that most of them will reject the gospel. Man is capable to choose even with a marred nature. Like he told, he told Cain, subdue it, fight it. He gave them the law and said, you don't do this, you do this. He knew they were capable of restraining themselves. No person was forced to murder somebody. They were enticed. Their nature rose up and the demon inspired them but ultimately, they had the final say-so. And Cain had the final say-so. And he didn't listen to God, and he killed Abel, and he reaped the consequences 
uh, from this. So God was fair and just in every covenant, and he didn't expect things from them that he does out of the people under the gospel. Remember, he said he winked at the Gentiles. He winked at something. They didn't have the privileges and the law and the promises that the Jews did. But they were still righteous Gentiles. And they were still, Job was accepted. Melchizedek, before the law, had a standing like Abraham did. He said he was great. They understood God, and they served God in the light and the truth. They knew him as God Almighty, the supreme being. Okay. So again, part of 16, they did not all heed. They did not submit to the good news. And when the full gospel came that he was prophesying Isaiah, and the law and the prophets spoke of it, as we see again, God was gracious in all covenants. But it was better and clearer to those now in the new covenant. Grace and truth was magnified. God gave them more help for what he required. But like you say, under the old, he didn't expect certain things. When he was going to destroy Nineveh, and Jonah just hoping he would, he hated them. And God said to him, shouldn't I be good to a people, he said, that can't tell their left hand from their right spiritually? So he was willing to show mercy. That's why he told them. And they repented. And Jonah sat for 40 days hoping they wouldn't and that God would destroy him. And that's how God leaves Jonah in a depressed, morbid state. Jonah got away with a lot. Some prophets disobeyed God one time and a lion came and killed him. So we don't know what was behind all of this, but God was patient. But he leaves him correcting it and saying, why are you acting this way? And so Nineveh survived another hundred years, roughly. And they were a wicked people. But when they heard of this Jewish prophet, which they hated Jews, they figured it must be God. And they heard the story about the fish. So all of that, they began to think, hmm. So they did repent the best they knew how. They even made the people fast and the animals, and God heard them. And it was his right to do that. So he's gracious under every covenant. Remember when Joshua went to destroy many of the tribes and nations that they were to take over because they were wicked and perverse, they went to destroy one tribe and God said, you don't mess with them because their sin is not full. What is he saying? He deals fairly and justly even with the wicked people. He's not arbitrary. He doesn't say you can kill them all. They're all sinners. He didn't do that. They had to wait several generations to wipe this tribe out because their wickedness finally got full like Sodom and Gomorrah and God decided it's time to do something now. So man has will and choice and these are not overruled in himself. Oh, he'll overrule them and destroy the wicked eventually. But while they are alive, they have will and consciousness. And man, as we said the last lesson, must repent and believe God will not do it for man. This is a false concept. God gives the gift of repentance and man repents. God gives grace to believe in faith, but man must fall in line. So you see the connection there. So it's not all grace as the false shepherds teach. It's all grace on God's side to offer, but for it to work. 
The plan of salvation was all God's grace and God's plan. But to get saved, you have to repent and believe or you're not going to get saved. So see, that's what should be told people. So we pray, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. Yet as a whole, his will is not done on earth. Darkness prevails often. And people refuse to heed God's warning, what he's shown in nature, what he's put in their conscience. And the gospel, they reject, and they don't want to listen to it. So that's within their capability. Yet at the end, even the wicked in the lake of fire will reflect the justice and holiness of God against sin and sin. The Bible says their torment in hell, and this is outside of heaven. It said their smoke of their torment, the angels, fallen angels and wicked man, will ascend before the Lamb and his angels forever. See, that was what God does with them. If they don't repent and they're wicked, it's a memorial to what? It reveals and reminds them of God's holiness and justice, and he doesn't tolerate sin. He has continual, everlasting contempt, anger, and disregard. God is not up there feeling sorry for the people that are cast in the lake of fire. When he shuts the door, they're in outer darkness. There's no relationship. There's no fel- That's the wrath of God. And that's what people need to fear. And Jesus warned, don't fear a man who can kill your body. Fear him who can destroy your body and your soul in hell. He said, that's the one you should fear. So if you're going to be afraid of something, it's better to be afraid of God and live right and fear the Lord properly and not sin against him. Okay. So God will not have parrots or robots doing his will like most animals by instinct and so forth. They do things. Man has been given a will, choices, self-consciousness. Man can obey or disobey. He can stay with God or he can refuse to follow. Even after he's saved, the one who refuses to bear fruit, Jesus said, my father will cut you off. Those in me, he said, every branch in me, that means they're his, they're of him. But if they don't continue in him, they'll be cut off, okay? The father will do it. So man can follow or refuse to bear fruit, obey, and stay in Christ. The Christian can do that. And we are warned, he that is faithful to the end will be saved. Didn't say the one who begins the race. It never emphasizes when a person enters the race, they're saved and they don't have nothing to worry about. They've just began. And then they have a warfare and a pilgrimage, and they must prove themselves faithful to the end. And then they'll be saved finally. They have Christ's salvation here as they stay with the Lord. But it's not permanent until they cross over. That's why some people, they don't like revelations. They don't want it to be a part of the Bible, like Martin Luther Why? Because it speaks of man overcoming. It doesn't speak of faith alone and grace alone. And he told each one church at the end, he that overcomes will get this. And the ones that didn't overcome, he told them what they were going to get too. It meant stay with God, resist the world, the flesh, and the devil, and then you are a practical overcomer. But if you're living in gross sin and you're not following the Lord, you're not an overcomer. So you can figure out what's going to happen. Okay. Now, this is beautiful 
well-used scripture, and people need to understand it plainly. 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So the good news is the gospels preach and taught, and it produces faith. So see, this is the gracious side of God. He has the gospel taught and preached to the sinner who's under sin and darkness, but he gives them light. And God gives them a capability at that time when they are convicted to see the truth. And they have to make a decision. Am I going to accept this or reject it? Well, most reject it, but they don't have to reject it. And it's given to them. And they get faith, and they can believe in the Lord's sacrifice, and they can believe they're a sinner, and that he's the only one that can redeem them. And faith is given, and they believe that. They believe unto righteousness. But it comes by what? Hearing the gospel preached. So when the true gospel's preached, and the message is taught, it's the word of Christ. He says here what? Hearing the word of Christ. The Holy Spirit opens their understanding temporarily. See, a lot of people think it's all intellectual. Intellect has very little to do with this. It's a spiritual thing. And if they respond properly, then God responds. He doesn't make them accept or believe. They can believe mentally. Many of them do. They believe, they come under conviction. They know they're a sinner. And they believe Jesus is the Savior, but they don't want to follow him because they love their lives and they want to live their own life. And yet they know the truth. Well, they have a greater damnation waiting for them, like the hypocrite and a false teacher do. God requires more of them. So they see the truth, but their will decides, no, I'm not going to go that way. So whosoever will can come, but most of them don't want to come. They don't desire to come. They love the pleasures of sin more than God, okay? And even though their nature is faulty and corrupt, they're capable because God gives them the capability to receive it. So he's being gracious to them. And they're wicked people, and they're his enemies. And the wrath of God abides on them. He's angry with the sinner all day long, but he's offering them grace and mercy and goodwill. And they have to receive it. Or it doesn't work for them. So the gospel plan is all on God's side. Whether the person gets saved or not is whether he repents and believes. That's his responsibility. And then God helps him. So the faith of the gospel comes by hearing it taught, preached, proclaimed. And as we'll see, by people, and we have seen, who are called. So everybody's out there trying to be a witness, and most of them are not called. They're not preaching the true gospel. They're preaching one or two scriptures, and that's not the gospel. You don't get people saved and leave them to die as a baby. while they're saved, I don't have to worry about them. That's not the gospel, see? It's not getting someone to say something. It's getting someone to acknowledge who they are and commit themselves to follow the Lord and stop being a traitor and serving the devil and themselves, idolatry, and serve the Lord and follow him. It's a lifestyle. And that's where so much of the false gospels preached. Just say this little prayer and grace and faith will take care of everything. Well, it's not going to. And many of these people, day of judgment, are going to stand speechless 
when they see how they were deceived and preaching a false gospel. And then it's going to be too late to do anything about it. Okay? So faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God, the good news about Christ, the righteous one, about him meeting the requirements for mankind's sin, his sacrifice and his life and his resurrection. But when he died on a cross, after he offered himself, he said, it's finished. So he finished God's plan for man's salvation. And the proof was the spirit of holiness resurrected him the third day. Couldn't have resurrected him if there was sin in him. The holiness of God would not have done it. He was acceptable. He was made sin and represented the sinner, so God judged him. But he had no sin in himself. Okay, He was a perfect sacrifice. So the word of God convicts when it's preached and taught. Now, even many Christians, they think, a lot of people think, well, when they hear a message, they feel bad. Oh, that's condemnation. No, it's not condemnation. It's conviction. It convinces you. The Spirit's telling you something's wrong. You need to get this right. You need to confess this to the high priest. You need to do th-. A lot of people run out. Oh, I'm not under condemnation. Yes, you are because you're living in sin. I don't care what you said about your place in Christ. You have no place in Christ. Your lifestyle proves it. James and Paul were in perfect agreement. Paul said, if you don't work righteousness, you don't have grace. He said, it's who you obey. That's who your master is. Well, if you claim to be under grace and you're living in sin and selfishness, you're not under grace. You're under sin. Okay? So we need to be practical. But the devil puts a blindness over these false shepherds and people who want to believe lies and don't want to come to the light. Well, they are accommodated. The opposite comes. Lies and deceptions fill their mind, okay? Consequences of rejecting the truth. So the Word of God convicts the spirit and mind of a man. It causes him, all of a sudden, he's been in darkness, and he may not see himself as being bad or sinful, but conviction will open his eyes, and he will see himself. And then he will see, I need a Savior. And then the Savior is told how he gets the Savior. So God gives him in his grace, he opens him up to this. And once the conviction comes, he can respond to it. The devil can't blind him at that moment if he responds to the Spirit moving, okay? And that's what it means when it says, no man comes to the Father, to God, he says, lest my Father's Spirit draws him. Well, he draws him through conviction. He disturbs him. He makes the initiative. That's true. And even under the old, he dealt with them according to their conscience. And they could respond or not respond to it. So we see he was merciful in every covenant, in every age of man. So it corrects, exposes him to the truth. Yet most people who hear the gospel and come under conviction, I'm talking about the true gospel, which you don't have around much anymore, they reject it. And so what happens when they reject this, the blindness covers them again. See, they're in darkness. God cannot help them. They reject the truth. He has nothing to give them. Then the lie comes back, okay? That's how it works. People cannot get saved anytime they want to. That's a lie, too. Some people resist that God 20, 30 years. He don't mess with them. He lets them live their life. He's not begging them every day to come to the Lord. 
They're hardening themselves, and eventually he hardens himself to them. See, there's a process. Sin is a mystery. And even Hebrews says, don't do what the children of Israel did and reject him. He said, through the deceitfulness, he said, of sin, lest you be hardened. See, the sin will start lying and telling you things, and then it hardens you to the gospel and to the truth. So people who once knew they were bad and terrible, they don't believe they're bad and terrible anymore. They think, well, I'm not that bad. I go to church and I look around and I'm as good as everybody else. But see, they don't realize everybody else is on their way to hell too as a whole. Believe in false gospels. So they're not going to be measured by anybody else when they stand at Judgment Day. They're going to be measured by Christ and by what they were given and what they received or rejected. That's how God's going to deal with them. And Paul warns us not to measure ourselves with other people. So the Word of God corrects, convicts, disturbs. That's what it's meant to do. And so it's God's grace that he's doing this for the wicked sinner. He could not do it otherwise himself. He doesn't have the new nature in him. He might have the will, but he don't have the real power to do these things because his nature's marred, but God gives him opportunity. And he gives him grace. The preaching of faith and grace, it's spiritual, not intellectual. All these people run to the colleges and want to argue and have all these groups, I won't name them, and they're trying to convince people by the scripture and everything that who God is. It ain't working. What's going to convince them is when they fall under conviction and all the spirit disturbs them, not some intellectual knowledge. Many people do this on the campus, and they believe, but they don't follow the Lord. So what good is it? He ain't saving them. They believe Jesus is the Son of God. They believe the gospel message. People say, well, give them a track or a Bible. The Word of God didn't tell us to do that. It didn't say go into all the world and give people a Bible. It said preach. God calls people and anoints them to do this. Let's take a break here. <laughs> 